Is it possible to retire in seven years, starting with zero dollars? Yes. I will never buy any new clothes. I'll never go on holiday. I'll sell everything I own and I will make sure I give it everything. I'm like an all in or nothing type of guy and I probably went a little bit too far. Mm. Went over all my statements. I had my average. I thought, right, what can I, can I like squeeze it? What if I what if I do this and get rid of that? I am a savings god. Like <laughs> brought down to earth, you know, with these mere mortals who can't save. Already? Let's go. Hey, let's do it. <laughs> Should we do it? Let's do it. Hey. <laughs> Hi, guys. Welcome back to the Strike It Big podcast. Today, we're joined with Hugh Davies, who went from frugal uh, expert to self-made millionaire. And he's also the only person that looks like me in reverse. Well, I used to have ginger hair about that amount, but on top. <laughs> Good old days. So, welcome to the podcast. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. More than welcome. So, what's it like living on 10K a year? Okay. So, I've had a bit of flack for this. Uh, and it is something I've got to be transparent about. This is something I don't do now, and mm. this is something that got me to where I am. So I did this, I started in 2012, 2013, where I started a blog. And the goal was really to try and track my path to financial independence by the time I'm 40. And the way I went at it was level one, which is what I teach everyone, is get your expenses down. So uh, I just analyzed everything. And like you might have seen in one of my clips, it was a case that I, I sold my car, I got rid of Sky TV, I biked to work. Like I went pretty extreme. Like I even stopped giving money to charity. I was parking like a couple of miles outside of town to walk in, really? like doing everything. Yeah. Like, but um, like Hugh Davis finds out quite regularly, I, I'm like an all in or nothing type of guy and I probably went a little bit too far mm. and pull back on stuff like personal development, charity, things that could really add value to my mm. life. Uh, so I think it wasn't as hard as I thought. I learned a huge amount for it. I learned that I crossed the line and it just readdressed actually what I felt was comfortable and what I could live without and, and what was actually what I was missing from from trying to just focus on expenses. And you described mm. that you sort of gamified it a little bit as well. I yeah. found that quite interesting. Yeah, well, I, I, I called it out there that I, I wanted to try and live on 10K. That was my goal. I knew it was possible. I was I, I was holding down a mortgage at the same time, so I knew it really? wasn't going to be wow. easy. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it was just like every month, like, can I beat last month? Like what I had in the last 12 months, I went over all my statements. I had my average. I thought, right, what well, can I, can I like squeeze it? What if I, what if I do this and get rid of that? Or I can bring this money in, um, stop spending money in this area. And I was just trying to beat myself essentially, because mm. that's the only one I could compete with. It's not about trying to beat you or mm. anyone else out there. It's like, what can I do to maximize it? So. Well, I always say that you can only save so much. Yeah, there's a limit to how much you can save. Exactly. However, there isn't a limit to how much you can earn. So I would always personally focus more on earning. So how did you find that journey once you got to that place where you went too far? What happened at that point? Yeah, well, that was the same equation I got to. I was like, Jesus, if I was on like a reasonable wage, like at the time I was earning, if I hit my bonuses, 30K a year. Mm. So you're talking about someone that's on a very average salary. So but what I was, was still, your job at the time? I was a sales manager. Oh, okay. uh, selling. So I love the company, love mm. my job, love the people I was working with. Uh, but I was saving two thirds of my wage just over. Mm. So I was still filling my ISA uh, whilst living on that kind of 10K. And I thought, God, if I was earning like 60K, mm. I'd be raking it in because mm. I don't want for anything. Like I could just invest a lot. Mm. So this 20K that I was saving, this, this kind of two thirds of my wage was just to invest to cover um, in the stock market to cover my living expenses so I didn't have to work. Uh, so to answer your question, Mark, I tried loads of stuff. I did match betting, uh, eBay reselling, random car boots, buy mm. and sell. Um, yeah. 
like there was a whole host of things that I tried. I tried doing um, utility warehouse, uh, second jobs, and I tried publishing books and that really transformed my life. So I started in December 14, um, released my first book in January 15 and the return on investment because I now understood investing in stocks and shares just kind of clicked with me. I was earning my money back 100% ROI within six to eight weeks. I thought like, holy crap, like I can't put money into stocks and shares if I'm getting this type of return. I've mm. just got to double down mm. and realize that actually there was something really in this. So I gave it everything. And after seven months, I was covering more than my living expenses. I had the investments which weren't covering my living expenses, but I was progressing. It gave me confidence. Yeah. So I thought, what could I do if I just went to this full time? So I quit my job seven months into starting that side hustle. So when you say publishing books, because uh, I believe in one of your videos, you said you publish 50 books in a year. Yeah. Um, is that 50 books that you've written or you've published them for other people or how's that work? Yeah. So the, the idea behind it, I, did, I went on the course. It was with, uh, he, he goes under the name now, Stefan James. It was Stefan Planeros when I started. Yeah. K Money Mastery was the course. It was quite a cheap course as well, like 70 quid. And the idea is that you outsource writers. You, you source ghost writers on specific to uh, topics. So you'd go out in the market, you'd find gaps um, that were, you know, that had earning potential, and then you'd produce books um, uh, in that area. So you'd get other people to write. They, they would apply to write about, let's say, financial independence, just mm -hmm. as an example. Uh, I would pay for the works and then I'd own the rights. I'd then pay for a cover designer, editor, copywriter, and then I get, I get all the royalties as a result when I publish it. And where and did you sell them on Amazon or your own website? On Amazon, okay. yeah. So you, you'd, you'd pay for the work for the ghostwriter once and I'd upload it onto ebook, which has a minimal cost. Mm. And then you could do print on demand for paperback publishing. So mm. if Mark, if you did buy one of my books, then there would just be one copy. It wasn't like I had to put down 10K mm. or anything like that. Mm. So um, I could double and then triple my... Um, my assets by putting it into audiobook as well. So what were the costs involved with um, having a, a book written by a ghostwriter? So to start, with, I mean, like you pay for what you get, yeah, right? Like in, in most things. And when I started, it was like a couple hundred pounds for a six to 10,000 word book. And they were making really? mint. They were making mm. money back then. I mean, you can't do that now. It's mm. like YouTube, it's, it's a different game, it's moved mm. on. Now I spend about three and a half grand per book. Uh, so it's kind of, over the years since 2015, that's been the kind of scope uh, on the cost of a book. So you're still producing books now? Absolutely. Okay. It, it's kind of too easy not to. Mm. It's like a well-paid passive income for me, but it's kind of soulless. It's like, right. it's good money, <laughs> it's great ROI, but eh, like, you know, it doesn't really fulfill me. Doesn't float your boat. No, and you know what I realized, Mark, was that what I was missing in life was creating something. Like, I, I feel that all humans need to do that. And it might be that you're a mum and you, you know, produce a family and you're the best mum in the world, but you're, you're part of creating a human being yeah. or you're a gardener or what, you're an artist. But I wasn't creating any of this stuff. I was just publishing it, making it money. And you're thinking, well, why are you complaining? Because it was good money mm. and it allowed me to become financially independent very quickly. But, um, you know, like, like, you know, there's more to life than money. Yeah. So uh, that's that's why I kind of eventually went to YouTube because I just really felt like I needed to put myself out there more. So with the book publishing, were all your books successful? Is it the, uh, the every no. now and again you had the big book and that that uh, paid for all the other ones? And yeah, then the absolutely. Profit. Yeah, like, I, I imagine it's going to be pretty similar to YouTube. Mm -hmm. Like you'll know this, like the eighty twenty principle. It's not an exact figure, but mm -hmm. I would actually say in publishing, in some cases, it was more like ninety ten. Mm -hmm. Like one of my books 
out of one of my pen names would absolutely blow it and bring out most, most of the money. Mm. Um, and that would then facilitate the rest. Did that have a knock-on effect on the next book you brought out under that pen name? Or do you just do one book per pen name? Uh, no, like the, the, the idea that I went with, like, so what I was taught was just like rinse, like volume, get it out there. And what was quite evident to me is that's not the best way to do it and that you need to build a brand and build multiple books. Mm. So I'd only go into a niche if I knew there were multiple categories for it. Mm. So for example, if I were to love golf, then okay, I'd need to do a book on like putting, um, pitching, You'd driving, read that, whatever. wouldn't you? Well, <laughs> actually, I was just thinking Kai, our COO, would probably produce a book on golf and tactics and how to play the game shortly because <laughs> he knows a lot about golf. Yeah, he can teach it, but he can't play it. So. <laughs> Bit of an issue, but I suppose he'd be brilliant at book writing. I can't play it either, so maybe we'll have a word and we'll see if we can hire him. But, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah I, I, the, the idea is to try and build a brand yeah. behind that, and that's what I've tried to do uh, with my recent pen names. And that, now I've also just kind of condensed it, so... If you can imagine, like, create, I've got about, I think, 14 or 15 pen names. Um, imagine having 14 or 15 channels. Mm. There's going to be one or two you're drawn to. And actually, I think what I've come to learn in business, really, the best way is you, you just give everything to one and that you don't spread yourself too thinly. So I'm try, I've got now a couple of people coming in that, that run that business for me. I touch base Monday and Friday, mm. and that's pretty much it. Uh, mm. The goal is to kind of exit that business and really focus everything I've got on the Hugh Davis brand and helping people become financially free. Do you have quite an obsessive personality? Yes. So you put everything in. I can see you put all everything in, into in. the product. I, like yeah. I just had, I've had piss, you know, piss taken out of me my whole life. It's just the way I am. I mean, but like, I can't, when I speak to people like you around a table, like I will, like I could talk to you for seven, eight hours nonstop. And if there's someone that's just not interested in business money, personal development philosophy like i just i'm not interested mm. so it is kind of all or nothing i'm trying to dial that in i've got better but before we jumped onto the podcast i was talking about drinking i'm not drinking now i used to be quite a heavy drink in my 20s and that was it i like i, I really i can't have one or two it's pointless for me i want to get a buzz on or i don't want to drink like what's the point so i'm now stopping that because it's not serving me anymore mm. it's taking away more than it's providing value mm. but i think your actual words were you were a right bellend <laughs> that was I my word i thought we don't swear on the podcast <laughs> i don't think bell and end uh, yeah. are a swear word Maybe not. <laughs> uh, that, that's that's absolutely what it was yeah and, and yeah. many are to be fair yeah. you know those, those times you, you're just blind to the real world aren't you and what's actually going on and how much you can better yourself with very little money put away i, I my dad encouraged he didn't force me but he put a huge amount of pressure to go to uni and i didn't want to go and I went through the motions and actually it got worse. So I was kind of didn't care in year one and that got worse at year two and year three. And I don't know why, but I got competitive. Like I wanted to be like the party animal and the guy that would leave at the last minute to do a 10,000 word dissertation and try and ace mm. it. I don't know why, stupid idiot, bellend. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that, that, that's what I went through. And I, and I think the turning point for me was meeting my current partner who I've been with 16 years and realizing actually... I was so lucky to have her and I needed to give everything I could to turn my life around to kind of make her want to stay with me. Mm -hmm. And that led me into finances because at that point, student loan, post-grad loan I bought af after that, 
um, two overdrafts, credit card. Mm. Like, so I was, what are your thoughts on universities overall? Because a lot of kids are pushed down that path. Even, yeah. even me, like the majority of my school friends went to uni and then I went down the business route um, because I didn't want to be pulled into that life of debt. But what, what do you think about it? Yeah, I mean, it's a really straightforward one. If, you, if you've got, for me anyway, um, if you want to be a doctor, a vet, mm. um, you know, uh, an engineer, then you have no choice. You need to go through that. So it's the intention. You need something as an outcome of university. If you're going there because, well, it's further education, this is what I should be doing, it doesn't make any sense or whatsoever. party for four years. <laughs> well, maybe that is Quite your goal. an expensive party. Yeah, and I know some people have turned that into a lifestyle, right? But mm. not for me. Um, yeah, so I think if you, if you don't know why you're going, you shouldn't, be, you shouldn't be doing it. Yeah, that makes sense. So after experiencing like frugal living and also business and making a lot of money for a side hustle, have you found like a in the middle area that that you think is a good balance for people to take on board now when they're um, looking to retire? It's say they're twenty. Like, what should their goal be? Should it be reducing their finances, reducing their spending, or starting a side hustle, or a mixture between the two? Yeah, I mean, great question. Like, I I, I still think. Avenue number one is expenses, right? That's level one. That's what we all need to look mm. at because you've got the Mike Tyson example. You've got loads of the athletes that are earning millions mm. and it's going straight out. Yeah. So it isn't always about money coming in because that doesn't mm. mean you're wealthy or not. Once you have a grasp of expenses, and I went into the weeds and through my blog that I did back in the day, which I no longer run, um, part of the reason was because the the avatar, the, the people, my audience, the people that were interested in me were only interested in keeping expenses low. Mm. And I just felt like we we're missing a trick on the business mm. front. Mm. So when you get that down to a relative level and you're not taking away value for life, then it's just what Mark said. You double down and you start business because, well, we can earn billions of pounds a year and only we are preventing ourselves from doing mm. that. Um, so uh, go after something that, like I believe, <laughs> something you're passionate about, something you have some knowledge or experience in, those two are really key. And um, try as many things as you can to start with. And then it's about iterating and seeing what- Finding fits out what, what you don't like. Yeah, absolutely. What a lesson. Reducing the things that you don't that don't appeal to you and, and keeping the things that do. But first, a quick note from our sponsor, Dave. Curtis, do you remember that time a client asked you to book a plane ticket and you couldn't afford it? I certainly do, Dad. Thanks for bringing that up. Yeah, um, she wanted me to pay for the ticket, then invoice her, but I just didn't have the money. Yeah, in the end, you had to just come clean and get her to book it for you. Yeah, I did. It was a bit embarrassing, but where is this going? Well, if you had Dave, that awkward encounter could have been avoided. Isn't that the banking app that can help you get $500 instantly with extra cash? Yeah, giving you more money to repair your car, fill up your tank, get yourself out of a jam, or just catch up on some bills. If only I had my good mate Dave there to wipe away my tears and get me on that plane. With Dave, you can finally tackle those expenses that have been stressing you out without any hang-ups. And here's the best part, there's no interest and no credit check needed. I've heard that millions of people have already downloaded the Dave app to get the financial relief they need with extra cash. That's it, son. So if you're in a pinch and you need some extra help, download Dave and think of it as a helping hand from future you. You can download Dave from the App Store right now or alternatively go to dave.com slash Tilbury. That's D-A-V-E dot com slash Tilbury to support the podcast. Sign up for an extra cash account and get up to $500 instantly. For terms and conditions, go to dave.com slash legal. Instant transfer fees apply. Banking provided by Evolve. Member of FDIC. What are some blue oceans that you've seen at the moment? Um, Because obviously you said it's a lot harder now to do the book publishing. Yeah, what are some things that people can focus on um, now that could be a great side hustle in the future? Yeah, it's, it, <laughs> it is the great question. Um, I can speak from publishing, like there is still format for it, but you need to really 
you need to really be into it. It would be like Mark doing finance stuff. Mm. Like if you really don't understand finance, it's difficult. You've got to get behind that. Um, I can't speak for drop shipping. Uh, that's something I've not done. I, I hear people do still relatively well on that. From coming into content creation, I just think we're still in, especially with the short form format, a massive opportunity. And mm. uh, you can talk about anything that you know and like, and it can mm. be really freaky deaky weird. And maybe that's even good because, you know, the, the riches are in the niches, right? Like mm. the, the more you can cut down in there, there are some other little freaks out there as well that will like your thing. And you can become world-class, mm. scaling is not a problem, and you can appeal to the entire world. So I really like content creation because it also offers multiple uh, avenues, not just ad revenue, but you can get paid to talk about the freaky th deaky thing that you're mm. into. Yeah. You can sell a product, you can do coaching, you can do courses, there mm. are so many things to go down. So. For me, that's the no-brainer at the moment. Mm. So if you were to die today, would you be happy with what you've accomplished? <laughs> Taking a morbid turn, hasn't yeah. it? Yeah. Um, yes. You'd be happy. Okay. That's, yeah. that's good. I, so, uh, expand on that a little bit if you can. You know, like, what, what are the achievements that you would be most proud of? Um, I think it's going to sound corny as hell, but I think finding such a fantastic woman in Lou that is so supportive of whatever I've wanted to do because I don't think many people would have stuck by me the way I am um being able to you know in my job my sales manager when I left it I was in tears when I told people I was going to go I was I, I was actually quite surprised and I had a beautiful reaction from some people who were also in tears that I was leaving and it was very sad that was such a heartwarming you know moment for me to think as a manager you're often hated and I was by people but there was enough love showing that I could do that I then branched out and done my own thing and become financially independent which is what I think is the base of what everyone needs to get to it's not an aspiration to be like you it's like you have a moral duty to get to this point uh, financial independence you don't need to be as successful as you two potentially but you need to cover your living expenses i believe um and that's how you define financial independence is covering your, covering living, your expenses. living expenses with investment yeah and um i've done that i've uh like i'm happy like look i don't want to die um hopefully i won't for a while but if if it were to be then so be it i've had a life you know that i'm really happy with i i do whatever the f i want like well, whenever give, give i want 12 months to live yeah you know where these are coming from don't you what would you do with 12 months time? you got 12 months um what would you do i'd probably i'd maximize my money so I'd, I'd look to try and get as much money out of the property that i've got locked in there at the moment stocks and shares and i'd go if i was healthy i'd go nuts with experiences and i'd try and pay for my to be around friends and family and experiencing things experiences that's you it can take those with you that's that's it that's They're in that, there aren't they that's all life really and i think yep. like brushing up against discomfort is super important so there'll be some of that in there as well but really it would just be about trying to spend as much time as pe with people as i can and experiencing mm -hmm. things because uh, i mean the reason i say experiences because that's what i would do i'd maximize my experiences you know I, I have people come up to me and they say how dear things are like for example you can fly in a spitfire at the local airfield down here and it costs three and a half grand to do it and yeah. people turn around and go 30 minutes for three and a half grand but they're missing the point Absolutely. it's three and a half grand for a lifetime's experience that will live for you forever and who knows even when you're gone, if that bubble's still there, I don't know. But it's an experience, and experience is what you know living's all about.
It's interesting you say that because Lou, my partner, is a she was a qualified pilot. She's let the license go now uh, because she's Swedish. She used to fly over there. It's quite expensive and restrictive over here in yeah. comparison. So she yeah, let it go. That, it's very restrictive yeah. in the UK. It, yeah, it, I used to fly. So yeah, have you done it abroad? Uh, I have. I've flown to Avignon in France. That was okay, to be fair, but I know other areas are bad. Uh, The best area I've flown personally, you know, myself, is in the States. It's so laxed, it's unbelievable. It's absolutely brilliant. (laughs) Okay. Well, I think, according to Lou, Sweden sounds very similar. Like, Mm. the rules are quite lax and Mm. you can go pretty much anywhere. So, that was something she hasn't really pursued over here. But my point being is exactly what you're saying. Because Lou's dream is to drive in a, in a Spitfire, but she's super frugal and was one of the reasons I went down that path. She yeah. she kind of instilled that in me. And I was going to plan, she, she asked me to go back to Sweden for her birthday, but I was planning on doing a Spitfire, but she'd already booked and planned everything. I was like, shit. So I told her, I said, look, I'm, this is what I was planning. She's like, you, you can't spend that money. I was like, are you joking? Yeah. Because... I was actually going to do the, I think it's a 50 minute option as well. By well, there's a, there's a full go. experience where you get someone fly alongside you while you're in yeah. it, taking the pictures of you in it. Uh, you live the experience as you walk through. It becomes World War II and you get to fly it. You get to do the roll over the White Cliffs of Dover. That's it, right? <coughs> You've got to go full in. Like for <laughs> me, that would be wasted. Mm. Three grand, I wouldn't appreciate that. No. I'd, I'd probably I'd have a track day for, uh, you know, 20% of that and I'd probably enjoy that more mm. for Lou that's the thing she wants to do before she dies so for me it's like five grand she will never ever forget that and yeah. be able to kind of keep reliving that through nostalgia mm. um, so yes I'm on board with you there Mark big on experiences yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah something that stuck with me um, in one of your videos is when you said don't fear debt respect it, uh, respect it. yeah mm-hmm. so can you explain a little bit of that a lot of people do fear it you've got to stay out of debt and it's just this blanket word, which is far more nuanced than that. Mm. And I'm not saying go crazy and go nuts with that because it can break you and cripple mm. you as well, but you need to respect it and understand it. And if you do that, you can start to le- uh, use it um, as leverage and get you know, ridiculously wealthy mm. as a result, uh, particularly in property is mm. what I found. So we, we got a mortgage. Um, we actually, our house didn't have a mortgage. We put 250,000 on it because we could borrow at 1.82. And because of the money that we had in stocks and shares, because we had enough equity in the building, we were allowed to have it as interest only. So we're borrowing, we were given quarter of a million pounds in our bank and we're paying 379 pounds a month for it. Now, all we need to do is ensure that we're beating 2% returns on that. Um, So to make sure I had enough wiggle room, I was looking for 30% development deals. And that's what I found uh, with my business partner. And we've just, we're just about to finish our second development and we're, so we've started development number three and the returns just on the very first deal of far compensated uh, the cost of everything so because you're looking down the route of zero money down which uh, yeah people see zero money down as unreal what's your thoughts on that uh, it is real because i've done that and i've seen it and i think the second deal is more than likely going to be not only a no money down deal, but we'll get paid for it again, potentially. We've still got the valuation to do. But as an example, Mark, our, our first deal, we purchased this pub in cash. Like, I, I need to caveat this, right? This is an awesome deal. Mm. This isn't like the run of the mill deal. We got lucky, like we'll put our hands up. Um, my business partner sourced it at an unbelievable price, 85K for this building. We turned this old pub, which had been abused glass everywhere. It had an arson attack. We turned it around into five flats. It had planning permission. So purchase at 85K, we put in, I think it was 180K for the development, which I sourced through investors. I went to the council and got free loans from them. I got a business loan from my published company. So we had really cheap debt on it as well. 
So we're all in for 265. That's everything. And it was valued at 400. So when you put a mortgage on at 75%, three quarters of 400 is 300. Mm -hmm. So 265 we paid, we got given 300 from the mortgage company. So we got paid 35 grand to own that building, which has five streams of income for us. So yes, they are true. We've had it. That doesn't make it easy. We got lucky. Um, it, it isn't just, you know, anyone can do it. Like, you know, and I would not have been able to do it without my business partner categorically. And how did you find that property? My business partner. <laughs> and, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Did so, he just literally find it or was it auction or was it yeah. seeing it and going and offering it, you know, a price to someone and finding out who owned it or how, how did that work? So again, I think one of his strengths is the fact that he's such a lovely guy. Like he's so likable. He's great at what he does. And he built, he's very good at building relationships. And uh, he built a relationship with uh, an estate agent and they let him know. There's like this, by the way, I know you're not looking at this type of thing, but there's this this deal that's been sitting around, you wanna take a look at it? So, okay, let's go and have a look and run the numbers. We bought it after COVID. So there's a bit of uncertainty uh, that was happening, happening as well. Yeah. yeah, and this pub, I mean, been so run down. It was just like a pain to the, uh, to the owner as well. But to answer your question, it was through relationship building and network. Hmm. So how did you find your business partner and how do you network with people? Because obviously that's a big aspect to this success, working with other people. Yeah, yeah, 100%. So property, I was always interested in it. And if I had a regret, it would be that I wish I got into it sooner. So I, mm. I, I, my goal when I started was stocks and shares to cover my living expenses through dividends, mm. then I'm done. But that's a very slow, long race mm. to play. Um, I was saving up for property and I was investing in stocks and shares at the same time. And I had this pot and I was like, oh, this share's doing quite well. I'll just take a little bit more mm. cash from me and put that in there. And before I knew it, I'd rinse the pot. Mm. And I just wish I'd started with property back then. Anyway, I kind of left that because shares was working. It was easy. It was my comfort zone. Mm. I, I kind of took the mm. easy option and um, started learning about property, went to a property meet. And uh, I'll never forget it because I, um, I met this guy, Chris Rose, and he changed my life. Like I was talking the way I am now, quite animated, quite enthusiastic. He's like, God, your, your business and your stocks is really interesting. I do property. Do you want to chat and we can share numbers and see if we can help each other? I was like, sure, let's do it. And he said, right, are you okay with sharing numbers? I was like, am I? Let's go. Like, you know, I, I love sharing numbers. Is I get excited by it. And he said, right, this is a deal that I've got. And he showed me a no money down. No, it was, there was three grand left in. Okay, so he, he'd put in, say, 23, pulled out 20. He had 3,000 left in, but was earning multiple hundreds of pounds a month. I was like, what? I was like, is, is, you've only got, you've only got 3,000, but you, you, that's more than, I was like, that, that can't be right. I was like, is this like a trickery or something? And he's like, no. He's like, what, what numbers have you got with stocks and shares? I was like, yeah, don't worry about that. Um, I was like, I can't unsee what I've just seen. I now have to do property. And I went on a path of about two and a half years learning about it. It took me a while because I do like to know everything if I can. Um, and my, one of my weaknesses is that I can hold back from pulling the trigger and I've got a lot better at that. So um, I went on free courses. Mm. You pay for what you get. Mm. Um, there are a lot of poor courses and a lot of poor property coaches out there that are just after taking your money. And I felt that Simon Zucci and the um, uh, Property Investors Network um, was the most professional one that I saw. They all go quite hard on the sales, but his was more ethical and I liked that, but it was by far the most expensive. And actually that filled me with confidence because I felt that I'm gonna be in a room with, in this case, 60 other people who are prepared to pay, in this case, 20 grand to mm. go on a year's mentorship to learn about property. And uh, I met Martin on that. 
Yeah. And I, mm -hmm. I, I just pimped myself out, Curtis. Yeah. I, I, I said, look, I've got a quarter of a million um, pounds burning a hole in my pocket. I, you, you, in property, you need to have either money, knowledge or time. Mm -hmm. So I said, look, with my kind of, pub, I've got, I'm financially independent. I've got a publishing business, which is kind of part-time ticking over. So I've got time. I've got quarter of a million, but you know, burning a hole in my pocket, but I have no fucking clue what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. Sorry for the swearing. I've got no idea what I'm doing, you know? So I'm looking for someone that can help me do that, mm -hmm. uh, but it's not gonna be anyone. And it's not gonna be just on the deal basis. I need to be with someone that I know, like, and trust. And ideally on a project that excites me, that would be great. And um, me and Martin became friends first, mm. supported each other, and then the deal started coming through. There's quite a lot of stigma in the education space. How do you spot a good course from a bad course? Um, because there's, like you said, lots of people out there just looking to take your money. And especially if you're pimping yourself out saying, I've yeah. got all this money, like, yeah, you spend it on, Come this, on my uh, course. this course that's gonna cost you all this money. Yeah, so it's really difficult, I, I think, to be honest. Um, the, the most logical way I could get a, get around it is that you need to speak to someone that isn't um, financially incentivized to put you on it. Mm. And that's the problem a lot of people are. Mm. So, you know, oh, it's amazing, you should do it, but use my link, you know? <laughs> and then, well, it's kind of in their interest that I sign mm. up. Mm. So I, I made a point of, after the sales pitch and I wasn't expecting to spend 20 grand, I went out of my way to speak to people that were no longer in the network that went on it. And it was just hands down, positive, you got to do it, it was life-changing. This is what I did. This is what my friends did on the course. But it's just, just taking that um, leap is important. The leap of faith. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, absolutely. Um, mm. I, and I, I know that you asked the question at the end about the one investment, and a lot of people say, oh, invest in yourself. <laughs> and it's a bit cheesy, but yeah. it's like, it's true. We it's cliche. It yet. Yeah. yeah I, no, I'm going to have to scrap that question. You can't, you can't jump forward, <laughs> yeah. you know. No, and, not... and I'm not, I'm answering, I'm, I'm <laughs> suggesting that's what a lot of people say, because mm, yeah. I might have, you know, similar or it might be oh, different. Okay, yeah. You have to or wait to the end. Yeah, exactly. the, uh, or we might not be asking the question today. Or you might not be. <laughs> Some watch time strategy there. You've got to wait for the end. <laughs> wait for the end. Um, I, I think that investing in yourself is, is massive and you can mitigate that by speaking to other people. Um, but the thing I love about it is you're not going to lose because it's up here when you're mm. educating. It's something you can take with you forever. Yeah. So mm. yeah, I think um, there, there are things you can do to mitigate it, but ultimately you've got to pull the trigger now and again. There and are the so young, many yeah. transferable skills. That's what we always say. And your skill stack is the unique thing that you have. Um, and that's what you've got to sort of make the most out of really, because it's unique to you. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the, the younger you are, the more gung-ho you can go. And yeah. the older you are, you might need to give it a bit more consideration because you haven't got an, as many entrepreneurial cycles left in you. So yeah. you might have to be a bit more careful. But when you're young, teens and 20s, just go for it. Yeah. Have you ever felt anxious about making that jump at all? All the time. Yeah. How do you yeah. overcome that? If someone watching this is feeling the same feeling, what are some strategies you've used in the past? So we don't have to necessarily expand on this massively, but I suffered with quite a lot of mental health in my 20s. Really? So I went through some quite debilitating anxiety. I had panic attacks. I classed myself as quite like a outgoing, confident bloke. Uh, so having panic attacks in public was, it, 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 it like crippled me. Mm. Like, so mm. to be, try and be vulnerable in other people was so difficult. Uh, so I'd hide it. And the things that would get make me feel like that, I would actively avoid it. And then guess what happens? It gets worse. Of course. It gets worse and then it gets worse. And then you're stopping things doing that would be okay that now are not okay. And at my worst, I was afraid to leave the house. I was stuck in the house and I can remember, I still remember it to this day. I had to post a letter, uh, which was like 50 meters down the road. And I had took a bottle of water with me because I was worried I was gonna have a panic attack because I was on my own. And I was like, oh, I gotta sort this shit out. Mm. Like I can't, this is taking over my life. And I went, 
quite all in to learning That's about strange, how you, you get I know right <laughs> I, I, I was just I've got I cannot allow this to happen like so I just tried to as many things as I could to do that and mm. so coming back to your question Curtis um, meditation was huge for me yeah. uh, mindfulness in general uh, and just knowing your physiology and understanding that so understanding food alcohol coffee the effects of those mm. things um, and mitigating anxiety levels. Cause I'm probably someone that has above average levels compared to most people. So I just work that off. Like, you know, I'm a bit nervous about coming down here today cause we wouldn't too, have guessed, you know, <laughs> no. these, you know, I look up to you two, you know, what you've done is magnificent. And, I, and if you, I can get a percentage thanks. of what you've done, I'll be delighted, right? So this is a big deal for me. And I know my numbers aren't quite there yet. They will be, but, but they're not quite there yet. Big aspirations yeah. for Huge that. Huge aspirations, mm. right? So. I was very nervous about coming down today. It's my first studio podcast. So I just worked the crap out of myself this morning, lifting weights, working out, and just release that energy, empty the tank. Mm. Uh, so I think when you can understand your physiology a little bit more and how you operate, um, it, it becomes much more manageable. But what you have done uh, by doing that is you've pushed yourself out of your comfort zone. And by doing that, that makes it easier next time, doesn't it? Yeah, that's, I mean, that's the whole For thing. For everything. It's the, like the example I use with the negative that you correctly called Mark, it just gets worse and worse. The opposite's yeah. also true. Yeah. When you realize you push up against it and you succeed, you know that something else will happen. And that's why I'm so confident and ballsy on YouTube. It's like, I am, I am, I am going to have a million subscribers. <laughs> this isn't me like, you know, I, I, or I'll die. Like, or I'll die. <laughs> you know, one of those two things will happen. Uh, the third option is that I no longer am interested in YouTube and something else takes me. But it won't be because I don't think I can do it. I'm just not going to stop. You know, mm. it's as simple as that. And how do I know that? Because I've done that with property. I've done that with publishing. I've done that with like weight training. I've done that with so many other things in my life that I know when I put my mind to anything, I can do it. We were talking before about the journey being the interesting part mm. as well. Because yeah. once you get... For example, if the goal is the million, it'll arrive and you'll go, woohoo! Uh, <laughs> what now? You know, a vacuum. Yeah. And you don't want that vacuum, that's for sure. So, you know, it's, it, the journey is a very enjoyable experience. So, I, I couldn't agree more. I, I actually, the publishing, my dream was to, like, the, the, uh, Stephen James that did the course mm. was earning 10K. Another guy, Jason Brock, was earning 20K a month. I was like, if I could have one, that mm. would be like, can I get 5%? I can get 5%, right? Mm. Um, so that's what I went for. And I, I was dreaming about getting that. And I can honestly say, like, although the publishing, I think the most I earned in the month was 28K uh, or something via that, that didn't mean as much as it did earning, like, my first couple of K or 5K. And, you, and people that mm. are starting out won't believe me, but it mm. is true. Yeah, like, yeah. when you first met, when I was first covering my living expenses, mm. I just realized everything else it kind of just felt the same you just mm. start moving the goalposts but first we'd like to say thank you to our sponsor public.com dad a hundred years ago when you started investing what steps did you take to become a better investor well i used to take tips from the local meat market if only you had public.com back then public is an investing platform that not only gives you the information and tools you need to make smarter investments they also have a built-in optional social feature filled with analysts and notable investors to share their thoughts and help you be a better investor. Well, that sounds good, but I'm more into index funds than individual stocks. Oh, I thought you might say that. Well, Public offer ETS, which is like a bundle of different stocks put together that can help you diversify your investments during economic downturns. And coming soon, Public will have art, collectibles, and more. Wow, surely it doesn't get any better than that. Well, you're in for some luck, old man. <laughs> 
Steady, son. The best part is they've got $0 fees on standard stock trades, and you can get a free stock worth between three dollars and $1,000 when you invest with the link in the description below. Wow, that's brilliant. Back to the podcast. What would you say to your 20-year-old self? Uh, stop looking at her, put that down, uh, stop <laughs> drinking, um, and I think back yourself more. I think I probably didn't back myself as much, nowhere near as much as I do now. And um, there was probably some environmental influences with that because I'm a lone entrepreneur with my family and even a lot of my friends. Mm -hmm. So I've had to kind of find these circles. Um, I think getting into property as soon as possible would have been hugely advantageous. I wouldn't have gone to uni um, and I would have just tried experimenting with businesses uh, in my 20s and I, ideally what I find now with creating I would have tried to encourage that 20 year old Hugh to get into blog writing and, and, and YouTube when it came out as, as early as possible mm. what's the biggest loss you've had in business property is the the biggest finance at the moment and, and so far things have gone well I mean we've had the second development had over 20k's worth of uh, unforeseens Twenty thousand pounds, which is a fair chunk of money, mm. from publishing. It's really the cost of a book. Some have been flat, but they get their money back. Mm. It just means that it might take a year or eighteen months for its for its money to come back. So the industry that I went into probably wasn't that big a deal. Now, if we're talking about crypto <laughs> or the odd stock that I've had mm. that have dropped, you know, then that's maybe something else. Like I put money into UST. I had five figures oh, really? in UST. Yeah, you know. So um, again, quite. A little over over blase about it, you and know. Did you have it in one of these crypto lending platforms where you, they paid you uh, interest? Anchor, yeah, uh, okay. you know. So I got stung, and, and then you All get the gone. drop. Yeah, exactly. You know, it had the drop. Mm. It is like ninety percent gone. Mm. I, I pulled out a little bit, but um, you know, at that point, I wasn't I wasn't spending as much time on crypto either. Mm. So I think because of the industries I've gone to, they probably aren't as big as a lot of other people. What would you say to um, someone that's in their 20s that's investing in crypto now um, from what you've learned? What I do is just keep it really simple. Bitcoin and Ethereum, you're not going to go far wrong. They've done the test of time. Yeah. So I have invested in more. I've got about a dozen coins. And what I've seen in the very short time that I've been doing over the last couple of years are coins come and go very rapidly. Mm. Bitcoin and Ethereum stay around. So you should be focusing the vast majority of your money there. Mm. Um, I'm, I'm not even too confident on stable coins. Like I, I think there's uh, still some fallout to be had with that. So I'd be very cautious about that. I was much more bullish last mm. year on it. Um, so yeah, it's just keep it we simple. don't think they had the reserves there, uh, especially Tether. No, like, exactly. When they were audited, they, they ran out of New York, didn't they? Yeah, so uh, that's a bit worrying. And and USDC, I, I think it, they're uh, I think slightly more reputable, but there's also mm. some concern around that too, mm. possibly. Mm. Um, I think you've just got to be really careful. I advocate no more than five percent. I think that's a that's a sensible percentage. Mm. I know I was more uh, bullish on that i was up to 10 at one point mm -hmm. uh I've, I've since readdressed that i think five is is more than enough and really people that are getting too into crypto are probably because they want fast mm. quick meaningful returns and that's never really a good way to chase anything concentrate on property mm. concentrate on stocks and shares and business and crypto is an after it's a five percent afterthought mm. Um, that's my own thinking. Well, I was I was lucky to be honest because we did a video where I was uh, reassessing my portfolio, and we were seriously because we we invest in uh, crypto together, mm. and I, we were seriously ex thinking about upping it, and we were just at that point where crypto was going, ooh, <laughs> <laughs> you know. So probably a couple of months, yeah, you know, we could have uh, 
been yeah, in trouble. Yeah, we, we have been buying a bit now because obviously the prices yeah. well, are now, lower. Yeah. Now's the time, right? Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Like, yeah, this is the time to be buying it mm. when people aren't interested in it. Um, I'm actually looking at other, and we're, we're trying to pull out some more property deals as well. So I'm being cautious on what I'm investing in because when I invest, it's for the long term, yeah. crypto or stocks. And I don't want my money tied up in those whilst property is so good at the moment. Mm. So, um, Where do you see the market going on property? Because most people are predicting a crash. Now, I, personally... What are your thoughts? Yeah. Well, personally, I think no more than 10, 15% tops. I would agree. In property, we're not at the point where banks are throwing money. It's still actually... They make it awkward for lending yeah. money at the moment. So we're not at a stage where this crash, I think people are suggesting this year, from the people... The mentors that I have and, and what I study and what I've learned and what I choose to believe is that I think we're probably two to three years away from maybe something like that oh, happening. Yeah, I don't think it's going to be happening anytime yet because lending isn't, you know, it's it's not super easy to lend at the moment. Mm -hmm. uh, the demand, I think, is going to be, well, I think it's already showing that it's leveling out. So we're probably going to have a bit more... Um, I, I think it will just calm down, but I don't think we're going to see a drop. I've got a, a big question. Is it possible to retire in seven years Starting with zero dollars. Yes. Uh, one of the things that kind of got me super excited learning about retiring early, I, I, I heard, I think it was a um, richest man in Babylon was suggesting you save 10 to 30% um, as a goal. And I thought, oh, I'll just see what I'm saving. What's my rate? It was like 38%. And I kind of, you know, made fun like, I am a savings god, like <laughs> brought down to earth, you know, with these mere mortals who can't save 38%. I started searching and learning about it. And then these guys that are getting like 50, 70, 80%. Mm -hmm. I was like, that's insane. How is that even possible? This is the fire community. This is the fire community, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. And Mr. Money Mustache, that, that amazing, uh, the surprisingly simple math behind, I think it's early retirement. It's something to that end. And um, his numbers are that if you start from zero and you save half of your wage and you invest it into a global index tracker, then you can retire in, uh, I believe it was just over 15 years. And if you save 75%, uh, sorry, yeah, 75%, you can retire in seven. Mm. And that just blew my mind. Mm. You know, so it was exponential. What most people were saving at, I think in the UK, it's it's like a paltry two point something percent. In, mm. in US, it was like half a percent more than that, which meant that to retire off zero and no inheritance, nothing else, you're looking at, you know, 50, 60, 70 plus years. So, um, yeah, that just understanding that and work and seeing, I mean, that kind of comes back to the original question, Curtis, mm. because I just wanted to see what 75% was like. Is that even possible? And I, I got up to 69 and a half percent, you know, maybe rounded up to 70, but that was really kind of stretching myself. Mm. Um, and, you know, I, I, so to answer your question, yes, it's possible. By doing that, it's also set you up, you know, to take advantage of these other opportunities that have come along. So although you might call it luck that you got this other property, you met this other guy, you'd put yourself in a position to take advantage of that so-called luck coming along. Yeah, I, I, you know, I still, you know, things have gone my way and I'm, I'm, I'm totally okay with that. There's no shame in that at all. Uh, someone asked me actually when I left my job, she said, um, this publishing thing you're doing, you, are you not worried about it? I was like, yeah. <laughs> and she said, but what if it doesn't work out? I was like, well, do you know what? I'm prepared to work 16 or 18 hours a day. I will never buy any new clothes. I'll never go on holiday. I'll sell everything I own and I will make sure I give it everything. Mm. And if it still doesn't work, then I'll mm. see if I can come back. But I knew I could go to there. And frugal living kind of gives you that capacity. Like, I know what I can do. Now, do I want that? No, not mm. really. But when you're yeah. prepared to do that and you've just practiced doing that, and you realize, you know, like I say in a lot of my videos, 
a lot of people sh like kind of sh uh, shrug off the frugal living. They don't like it. And I was like, mm. oh, have you tried it? Mm. And most of them haven't. No. Just try it. Like give it a go. Because when you try it, it's not only is it not as bad as you think, but it actually adds more value to your life. It's actually much more enjoyable than, than your, what your life was. So that gives you wiggle room. Uh, and then you just need to level up and, mm. uh, and go down the business side hustle mm. route to try and uh, speed that process up. I mean, I would assume that it will help you to control lifestyle inflation as well as you go on because yeah, you've learned to live that mm. frugal life. Yeah. You know, you're, <laughs> you're probably going to gamify it. And e even if you spend 50% of your 100 grand coming in when you're earning it, you're still saving a massive proportion of that yep. wage. Whereas a lot of people, and we put it into a lot of our videos, particularly uh, we use the US stats that, yeah, I can't remember, 39% is it of people earning over $100,000 are still living paycheck to paycheck yeah, and that is ridiculous yeah. in this day and i think age. it's 78 percent of all americans as well it's yeah. crazy that's nuts it is crazy and um, there's no need but it's only consumerism yeah. that makes them not be able to do it i've got to have this got to have that yeah and they're chasing that that um american dream yeah and <laughs> and try and keep up with the joneses and realizing that mm. that isn't that it's not a path to fulfillment and when i when i got rid of sky tv I, like I was actually quite worried about that because I love watching sport. And me and I spoke to Lou about it. She also likes watching it as well. But we're like, oh, should we get rid of it? We're like, well, we can always get it back. Mm. So you get rid of Sky TV. Like, and they'll oh. do you a deal to get you back, funnily and, uh, enough. You'll get a cheaper deal. <laughs> there you go. Um, and then you're free in the evenings. So what yeah. do you do? We Oh, we started talking. We started walking and hanging out and, yeah. enjoy, and doing games and stuff. And mm. you kind of realize that now that might sound boring to people, but we enjoyed it more yeah. so um you know it's it's not as bad as people think yeah do you want to be vegetating in front of the telly with all these channels and and to, to a certain extent if you've got it you want to use it as well don't you so you become that vegetative state yeah, absolutely i mean we won't I, I won't buy sky tv i won't actually pay for any tv subscriptions on our hey, tight. Um, we've got netflix but you pay for that <laughs> and, 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 and you, you, you watch and it i yeah. do watch it i think a lot of people get wound into subscriptions and all these other things and they don't understand where their money's going and tracking their income i think you'd agree is one of the major things you need to do yeah absolutely income and, and outgoing sorry yeah 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 absolutely tracking i think that's not my number one advice uh seeing what's coming in and it's not just the money that you're spending, but on Mr. Money Mustache's blog, he talked about kind of multiplying it by 25, that 4% safe yeah. withdrawal rate. And that was another kind of game changer for me. Sky wasn't saving, whatever, 55 quid a month. It was the 16 grand I'd have to have invested in stocks and shares. Mm -hmm. And then you can ask the question, is, is it worth saving 16 grand for Sky TV? Now, for me, it wasn't. And for many others, it might be. But um, you know, having a realistic idea of what that is really costing you and the value you're getting as a result. Yeah, mm. it's almost like when you start working out and you're tracking your calories, and then when you've done it for a while, you can kind of tell without tracking it every day. You can eyeball it. Yeah, so yeah. that's what you can do with your finances if you, you take some time to track it at first and then you don't have to track it as carefully. Absolutely, it's getting that initial yeah. self-awareness. Exactly. And it's a lot easier yeah. nowadays to track your income so that you've got your apps to do it. I mean, when I was yeah. back in the day and <laughs> I was trying to get out of debt, I literally had a little book and I would literally write it down. Everything yeah. that went out, everything that came in, you know, I was buying and selling cars, I was doing everything. You still I could. prefer to do it on a, a pad or something? I, I do like. There's something I don't about. Write, I just do it on the app. Yeah, there's like something about that. a pad, and I always have a pad next to me when I sleep because I wake up in the night with an idea and I write. And I like a pad. Mm. I find that doing it on electronic, it, it can get lost in the cloud or whatever. <laughs> at least it's solid. You know? where, where are you at, Curse? Have you yeah. followed the path of your dad? Have you, are you, 
um, as in as in what tracking my yeah, expenses. Not really. I don't spend that much, to be fair. Um, He's tight. As pretty anything. frugal, I've heard. <laughs> yeah, I, I am. Um, yeah, everyone says I should spend some more. But I, I find that like we've built this business to do with what I love, videography and, and YouTube. Everything that I'd want to buy is the stuff I'm buying for the business. So when it comes to business yeah, investments, right. yeah, I'm buying lots of stuff. But personally, I don't have lots of stuff I want to buy. I'm just happy doing what we're doing there we go that's all that matters right yeah. like, he's and, he, and he's doing extremely well i'm very proud of him yeah oh, absolutely he's a little tear in his eye. yeah no <laughs> as, as, as you should be yeah you, you know you two are doing fantastic but that this is the example though i mean i didn't give curtis any money I, he had a good education to 18 he could have mm. gone to university if he wanted that's his choice um but you know he's listened to different things along the way he's learned different things learned a massive skill he's got a massive skill stack that's without a doubt and you know he's doing what others can do and you know that's listen listen to what we've got to offer because and what you've got to offer because anyone can do it if they decide they want to do it mm, thank so you very much that Dad. decision so so what's the importance to you of um teaching the next generation i wanted kids my partner didn't mm. and I, we had a serious discussion like do we or don't we stay together because of this i decided personally that it was better to be with someone that i loved that i adored that um and we didn't have a kid than to try and go single and go on the dating game and then try and find someone can we be pregnant and go for mm. all that rigmarole like so for me i took you know took that path i've actually gone down the sperm donation route so i've hopefully going to help 10 families do that which is a little side hustle you get 380 <laughs> quid or something for that uh, very fun way of getting 380 quid as well we've never mentioned that side hustle <laughs> no. we'll put that on the next side hustle video <laughs> get it out there. unique side hustles and yeah. the younger you are yeah <laughs> you're paid on the visit not, so, on, the, not on the point yeah <laughs> it is volume oh. when they get a certain volume you're done so oh, okay. you know you you've got maybe the more virile you are the less visits you have soon the less finance so um but um I, I i'm quite fortunate as well i've got five nephews and um as a little side, I t when I spend time with them, I'm teaching them all about this stuff. Mm. I call it university. We spend down, <laughs> we do our millionaire training. I go through the compound interest calculators. Oh, this is what we can do. What I do with birthdays and Christmas as well is like, look, I can get you a 50 quid gift or I could put a hundred pound in your investment for you and your stocks and shares ISA. You're cool. And every time they're putting money in the ISA, which really? is awesome. Lovely. Yeah, I, I'm quite surprised by that. Mm. But they're, they're you know they're backing and i try and tell them how their portfolio is doing and share that information um so it shows doesn't it if it was taught in schools people were aware of it earlier it's such a shame uh, maybe we wouldn't do what we're doing right now because of that right that doesn't um, matter does it everyone's leveled up uh yeah yeah um it it is a real shame because i started this when i was 30 as well and i had to go and find it because it wasn't in my family people weren't doing this i had to i had to be slightly weird to find this stuff out and people mm -hmm. still to kind of judge me on what I was doing. And I still kind of persevered to try and learn about it. But Well, we have people message us at 30 saying, oh, I've missed the boat. And we say, you've not missed the boat. The best time to start investing and looking after your finances is today. Yeah. Mm. It might have been yesterday as well, but yesterday's <laughs> yeah. gone. Now yeah. it's today. And Absolutely. I think that message is, it has to get out there, doesn't it? Yeah, it certainly does. And I think with spending time with children i can have some influence of course it's not the same i'm not su suggesting it is but it gives me a little bit of that and i'm trying to help other people as well if i'm not going to bring up a human being i'll see if i can impact you know tens of thousands of people and try and help them really if i only 
can change one person's life, it's worthwhile. But I'm going to try and shoot for more than that. What do you feel about Elon Musk's view that the uh, the population is going to hit a crisis and uh, we're all going to go out in a whimper in adult nappies? We're actually um, covering this in a recent video. Yeah, are you? I mean, yeah. like I've I've heard about that. I haven't dug mm. into the weeds. Mm. Like, can you expand at all? So well, the average um, like children per couple back in 1940s used to be 5.4 kids or something like that. Now it's dropped to 2.4. And if it drops further, if it drops below 2.1, then our population will start to decline once the older generation dies because it's, it's below replacement. Right. And it's 2.1 because just in case, you know, sometimes things can happen, children can die. Yeah, and so in you Italy, need it just in that Italy margin. it's already lower than that. And also in Japan, yes. it's considerably lower than that. It's meant to be a pyramid. Mm. Kids, middle age, old people. And now it's more like a light bulb where it's full up and fat in the middle uh, and okay. heavy on top. Mm. So so without doing any research, mm. just off the top of my cuff right now, uh, what I think is it's one of those cyclical things that happens with like any market that actually we could probably go some time with a lower, I don't think we're in any danger of running out of population personally. And I think if it gets closer to that end and it goes for a long period, people will then start to kind of make up for that and then may even incentivize it. Um, I don't, I don't see that as being an issue, but I haven't done any research. Yeah, it seems to be yeah. a bit of a push by the media that, yeah. oh, you have too many kids, you're terrible, you know, and all this sort of stuff. So, yeah, even but, Thanos but way of clicking away the it. population yeah. uh, in Avengers. So it's, it's all of these films that were overpopulated when actually it's the opposite. And if we don't reach that replacement level, you know, what are we going to do in the future? Mm. I think we should go into our final questions. So um, if you could only invest in one thing for the rest of your life, what would it be and why? He wasn't expecting that. Oh, just you? out of the blue. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I should have yeah. switched it up at the end, shouldn't I? <laughs> From an asset perspective, yep. it's it's property hands down. Mm. I think it's the safest, most secure uh, f uh, form of investment that's available. You can make it very passive as well. Mm. It's tax efficient. Um, you can control the market. Uh, so you can control, sorry, the value mm. and you can uh, decide at what price point you want to sell it or even buy it as well. So I think with the leverage involved with that and the multiple of areas uh, around property, it's hands down the best investment. I think from a more philosophical point of view, I would look at, you know, I'm going to try and take it a little step further than just say invest in yourself. And I think personally, Aristotle's number one virtue was uh, courage. And I think that if you were to just take away one thing, it was just trying to be more courageous in whatever area that is. And what is the meaning of that? It's not being, it's not acting without fear, it's acting in spite of fear. Mm. So it's whatever makes you slightly nervous, if it's public speaking, if it's gonna ask the girl, if it's making your own business or whatever, it's just trying to lean more into that because when you kind of develop that muscle, it will lead you, you know, when you're more gung-ho with business or investing, it will actually help you get the girl or help you look after yourself from health as well. So yeah, it'd be property and being more courageous. So you're ready? I'm I'm ready for my final question. I'm ready, Mark. I might have changed it. Hit me. When is enough? Enough. Enough. I think. I don't know if we said this prior on the podcast or not, but enough for me financially is when you cover your living expenses as a base. I think that as an exercise, if you find out how much you can earn and work towards covering that through investment, through property or shares, that's your base. Also, go through the exercise and draft out your ideal life, like traveling four times a year, having the car that you want or whatever, yeah. you'll probably find out that figure isn't as high as you think it is. So, and I think the difference between your base and then that dream level um, of happiness probably isn't as much as you think it is either. Most of the hard yards are done when you've covered your living expenses. So I think as a base, it's uh, 
cover your living expenses, work towards the dream. Brilliant uh, note to end it on. Thank you very exactly much for that. coming on the podcast. If you guys enjoyed it, make sure to smash that thumbs up button for the YouTube algorithm and subscribe for new videos every Friday. So it's goodbye from me. And it's goodbye from him. Laters. <laughs> See you later. Thank you.